Welcome to the Human Centered Leadership Podcast with me, your host, Kulmahe. I have worked in the leadership space for three decades, and now I work with organizations and leaders to develop powerful cultures of high value and performance that is built all around their people. We will interview leaders from around the world and at the very top end of their game to explore what emotional intelligence in practice actually looks like and the benefits that it could bring to any team. This is a movement to transform the way that we see leadership and to create powerful cultures where people feel seen, heard, valued and appreciated and consequently perform to the very best. Why don't you join the movement and subscribe to our podcast and don't forget to click on notifications to stay up to date with all new content. Welcome to another episode of the Human Centered Leadership Podcast. And today we have a wonderful guest who has traversed the, the, the borders of this uh, world in which we exist, working in some of the biggest uh, companies in the tech industry, uh, working across so many countries. Uh, she spent 25 years, would you believe it or not, working internationally in the area of IT, working on some huge projects, running into the millions of pounds. So she has worked at the very high end of uh, organizations and businesses, having to develop uh, uh, relationships around the world in order to drive more business. Um, I'm really enthralled by the conversation that we're going to have. We've already had a conversation, and I just think that uh, uh, what she has to share is uh, is of such value when it comes to emotional intelligence and human-centered leadership. Uh, it's just unbelievable. Human-centered leadership, as you know, the whole idea of this podcast is really to provide a platform that other leaders can listen into to understand what human-centered leadership is and how emotional intelligence in their organizations, in their lives, in their teams can really drive performance and get trust and communication so much more effective within your environment. So our guest is also the author of the Karma and Diamonds trilogy. It's a best-selling novel, I guess, on uh, on Amazon. I haven't had the chance to read it yet. I'm looking forward to doing that. And she was also one of the very first to bring Indian IT services into the heart of the British and European companies. So I think we can safely say she's done a fair bit and there's a lot of learning that we can have from Smita, who is now also a business coach, mentor and yoga uh, leader in the UK. So, Samita Joshi, thank you so much for uh, joining us on the Human Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Cole. I'm so excited to be on your podcast and uh, really honoured that you've asked me to come on your show. It's great. So, Samita, one of the things that uh, you blew me away with when we were talking is just the sheer amount of uh, work that you've done across so many boundaries, but at the highest end of business. So you must have worked in so many countries and have to sort of negotiate, I guess, build relationships uh, across so many cultural divides. Uh, how did you, that happen? How did you manage that? And uh, what were the challenges that you faced and how did you overcome that? There's about four questions in one, but I'm just going to let you roll with it. Yeah. So actually, it started in a very coincidental, synchronistic way. I happened to be on a sabbatical when I was a uh, you know, even before I turned 30 and I was just traveling across India, I took six months off for myself because I was at a crossroads and I re but, but there was a, an inner calling. Actually, my books really center more around that inner calling, which was to discover and to kind of learn more about who I am, like, who am I? 
And that was more of a, a journey that took me into India to travel up and down with swamis and yogis and um, those types of people. And I ended up once with one of them who happened to be, um, although he's a monk, he is in fact a physicist. So um, he had a scientific background and he was heading up some order. And um, uh, he invited me to join him and his team in uh, in Delhi uh, at a at a at a conference that was called "How Science and Spirituality Meet." And I thought that sounds interesting. Let me let me you know go with them. And um, while I was in Delhi, um, I was reading the newspapers, as you know, as you I, I make it a practice whenever I'm in any any place to find out what's going on locally. And so it's very easy not to. But uh, but I found that. Um, every day when I opened the paper, there was some reference to this thing called um, IT services, like offshore IT services. And I did not know what that meant. So I started to look into that. And in fact, this was a very tiny burgeoning um, industry that Indians were very, very excited or specific Indians in technology were very excited about. And um, I learned that basically India is preparing to provide services abroad um, using IT skills and, um, you know, two corporates. And I thought, wow, that would be something for me because I was already in, um, business development in sales and so on and, uh, relationship management and so on. So that was, that was already something that I had a track record in. And that's when I came to London, I thought I must really look up who is providing these services only to discover there were not many companies. There were just two. Um, and one of them was Tata TCS, who's the, you know, still today the largest. And then there was a tiny, tiny little entrepreneurial company with 150 people in it. Well, I approached them and I basically said, uh, you know, I want to work with you guys. I have the skills that I think you'll be looking for here. And they said to me, well, we need a track record of five years in software, software in selling and um, building client bases, you, you know, in technology, which I, I didn't have in software, but I had in telco technology, so Vodafone and so on. And, um, and it took me a few months to persuade them that I was their person, um, even though my CV, and they wanted a degree, I don't have a degree. So I said, you, don't, I, you, don't, you really don't need me to have a degree, I can do this. And so in the end, I, got, I was the person that was hired. So my books, Come and Diamonds, are really about trusting your inner voice, listening to that, that, that call from within. So I kept listening to that and I kept, you know, trusting it. And so that's how I ended up in that field. And it was at a time when um, India was thought of as um, people working in shacks. You know, it wasn't a paradigm whatsoever that you could actually do technology business internationally with India. So it was at a time when the paradigm didn't exist. So that's how I how I started in in uh, that field and it and and the idea was to really shift the paradigm. So I ended up working with large companies, usually financial services or large corporates, you know, who big big names that you'll find in a pharmacy, farmers uh, and so on. I was excited about it because, you know, it was uh, something that I wanted to, like, it, for me, it was my way of making a difference. Because, you know, if you can shift the, the perception of, of India in the eyes of a whole community of people where, you know, India could benefit, I thought we were on a, onto a winner. So I ended up then uh, very quickly um, 
winning business, um, going into banks, into into in the beginning into a multitude of corporates, and then specializing in the areas of um, finance, especially banking, uh, banking insurance, and then also on on the telco side in the earlier days, because that those were the two industries, and they probably still are. Um, that are so fast moving in terms of technology. And so um, it was a huge learning curve because, um, you know, one has it that because I, I was born in India and, you know, because I speak Hindi and Gujarati and, you know, I have some background to Sanskrit and stuff that it was going to be easy to, to you know, understand and, and work the environment um, because because that meant being employed by Indian by Indian companies, um, which by the way grew very very fast. The company I was in got sold off to a, to um, a very large company, and then that again got sold off. So the companies that I moved in from there on were were some of the biggest. And um, what I discovered was actually being British Indian and being you know um, working with Indian companies there was a huge learning curve. That was on the side of the, of the employer, but then also on the other side with working with clients who were um, initially British, but again, as you know, cool coming from the north of England, um, the you know the cultural divide, the south and the north. So the city culture is very different. To let's say one of my clients was in one of the insurance companies in Liverpool, um, totally different in how you related to them because something that would work in the city here would be considered extremely aggressive up north yes i can see that and i can see that happening across international divides as well so sometimes what we we talk about in emotional intelligence is understanding the social context or the social environments in which you are operating and looking at the nuances of how people show up or how that organization might uh, uh, behave. Uh, so what you're doing is looking at the nuances of not just the organizations where you're going to, but also the people, depending on where they sit in the country or where they sit in the world. So what are the kind of things that you are looking for so that you could build those deeper relationships? Right. So I think the first thing is, like you very, very rightly said, you need to understand the business. You need to understand the landscape of the organization that you're walking into, which means, for example, if it's a bank, is it a retail bank? Is it a corporate bank or the side of the bank? That, you know, very in my roles, in, in I ended up being the client lead um, for the entire entire group, let's say, which included um, investment, corporate securities, all of those, and retail and so on. So, you know, it was important to understand who you were talking to in the business and what their individual landscape was within the, the um, so on the broader scale within their country, then, you know, in terms of international, um, how they fitted into the international scenario, um, into the um sort of compliance areas, so very legal, for example, what was going on there? What were the key um, areas that you needed to be clued up about? So all those things you had to, obviously, that was part of the role. And then there was the technology side. What were you bringing? What were their challenges? What could you help them with? Why? Why would you be better than, than your, your, your competitors? All, all of those types of things. But I think that uh, if you had those in place, then it really came because if you didn't have those, you're not getting in through the door. 
So, you know, then it really comes down to striking, a, a, you know, chiming, like striking a chord with the senior, whether it's members of the board, whoever may be heading that. And that was normally where I would start. Some people start from below. I would start from the top. And, you know, to... That would mean really understanding even before you go in something about them. And, and remember, now we have uh, Google. You can probably learn a lot about an individual online, but you couldn't do that in those days. So you, it was really about very quickly understanding um, their own cult. You know, what was the culture like locally in their environment? Um What was going to not work? What was going to work? So that required a little bit of getting to understand the dynamics, so let's call it the political dynamics. But really, it was about walking in through the door and striking a rapport instantly with somebody. So what did you do? I mean, in terms of building rapport, rapport building is so powerful when you get it right. And it's critical in re in building relationships. Absolutely. Um, what kind of things would you have done to build that rapport with another individual? I think when you're building rapport, you have to speak into the person that you're talking to. It's not about what I want from them is what did, what could they, what do they need? And, um, and you know, you, you need to gauge very quickly. It's for example, if you're working in Holland, you know, you cannot, if you're in, in the Netherlands, you've got to be super confident. You know, you, you, you can't have, there's no room for, for showing vulnerability at the outset, right? Because that's just the way that, that it works over there. You've got to be very, very clear, but you know, and, and so your initial approach makes a huge difference. However, if you're going to Belgium, you know, you want to take it slightly low key, you know, it's, you don't go, you're not in your, you're not in their faces. Belgians will respond a lot more to the, the, the human touch a lot more than maybe, you know, in the beginning. So, so with a, with somebody in the Netherlands, you know, they want to, to show you who's boss, especially in the, in the senior environments. So you might expect to be challenged very quickly. Like you, you know, uh, so, so for example, go walk in and be asked a question that's likely to throw you off if you're not prepared. If you don't understand the culture, it will turn you into a wreck straight away because you think they're attacking you. So this is how at that at that kind of level you walk into um, uh, an office, let's say uh, up up in Liverpool or Manchester, you know, into an insurance uh, or, or a bank or a building site. You're more likely to be it's, it's likely to be a lot friendlier. There's a they might offer you a cup of tea. You know, there might be. Do you know what I'm saying? So you have to be prepared for how. Um, how various cultures now obviously everybody's different but that makes a huge difference to to making it through the first five minutes or not i've always found this to be hugely fascinating that uh, you know uh, people can be so different even in one country depending upon where you go within that country or even whichever industry that you go in how would you describe the industry that you worked in i mean you would you were working in in tech but I'm guessing that uh, your clients were in all sorts of other departmental functions, uh, you know, mainly in the finance by the sounds of it. What was the culture within that? And uh, how did you navigate into that culture as you had come from a, a totally different industrial culture? It's about understanding the business. So one of the, um, uh, I also worked equally well in telco, for example, um, 
big names, you know, who supply you on your, on your mobile phone, the services on there. So it really comes down to understanding who you're talking to within the business and what their, you know, what their area of interest is. So if I, if, for example, if you're going into a service provider, um, who is in, uh, in a telco and mobile services or whatever, then where exactly do they fit? You know, are they buying? Are they the buyer? Because if they're a buyer, they'll have a different dynamic with you. They'll want to establish with you who's boss, you know, uh, and you, you need to play the game a little bit. Like you need to let them know that there's no, you know, so you can't, you've got to avoid getting into these situations where potentially there could be playoffs, power struggles and stuff. If you're going to meet somebody who's heading up uh, uh, the part of the business that runs the technology on which the service is provided, then you know those guys are, are deep in stress, you know, with... Um, with uh, technical issues, so or, or they want to move to the next level, so they want to stay ahead of the competition. Where exactly are they? So it's it's really about gauging that and um, and speaking their language. So partly understanding the technology of the language is important. So the jargon which they speak. Um, you know, that really helps to get you established that they understand that you understand their business. Absolutely. I don't think it can be stated enough that uh, to speak another person's language is one of the best ways to build rapport and trust with that under other individual. Because, I mean, I'm guessing the, the business that you were in, technically, it was sales. And in order for you to make the sales, and, you know, you're talking about seven, eight-figure uh, sales, I'm guessing, on some occasions, in order for you to make those kind of sales, you had to have incredible trust uh, built between yourself and the potential client. And the trust is built in multiple ways. So the trust isn't just individual. You've got to, you, first of all, they got to trust that you, you are the lead that they can work with. Yeah. So that's very important. But you, you know, I built trust by bringing in other people to make sure that they knew that we were, we worked as a team. We were not just, you know, it wasn't, and, and that I had the ability to be able to influence that team. And not only the team, the, the different individuals, the different subject experts that we brought in, but also upline, upstream. So you need to be able to convey that you have influence with the people that you are working, reporting into. So right the way to the chairman. As you say, it's multi-tiered trust here, trust in you, trust in the people that are around you, trust in the organization that you represent. Uh, and I'm guessing values come very, very strong into that. And every organization, every individual will have their own sort of set of values that guide them through lives. And they may not even be aware of those values, but they still have these values intrinsically within them. Uh, how did you um, get a sense of the values of both the individuals that you were dealing with and those of their organization so that you could resonate at that values, deep values level? This is part and parcel of a skill set of somebody who who um, leads accounts at a very high level that you've got to you've got to do your homework. So ask your team members, what has been your experience? You know, what is that person interested in? What should I look out for? Do they know what is their reputation in the organization? Um, what, what really pushes their buttons? What do they, they, what triggers them? You know, these were things that I, I took a lot of time and trouble. So this means you need to have good relationships with your colleagues mm. and those colleagues need to 
be willing to share that kind of information with you because they may not necessarily be willing to do that. And that's where the, um, the ability to strike a relatedness with somebody comes in. So you've got to, you know, spend time getting to know your team. And sometimes in the beginning, it's not that easy. Uh, and, and it may also be that sometimes we need to, if we're, you know, when I'm creating a new proposal or building a new, new, um, solution for a client, um, the, the, the skills I need are not in, not, you know, are not in my team. I need to go to a colleague who's actually a competitor in the organization, you know, to source, um, something that they will have done, you know, with their client. Now, why would they want to help you? You know, that, that's not an obvious, that's not a given. So there, there again, you, again, it really comes down to, um, coming across, you know, building a relationship with people where they, they, they need to like you. Yeah, and, and it comes down to what, what what the name of the podcast is, Human-Centered Leadership. And you demonstrate human-centered leadership. You build human relationships uh, with those around you uh, at a level where they 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 want to support you as much as you support them. And if you speak their language, uh, understand their culture, understand their values and align with those, then, of course, you're going to have those deeper relationships. In the recent article that I've, I've written on human-centered leadership, which I think I shared with you, you know, I shared that there's, um, there's, one, there's one thing that I've been practicing, and I learned this from an organization that I used to lead uh, transformational programs for, and that's Landmark Worldwide. And I basically, well, there's one of the things that, that, that I picked up from there that really stuck with me that, you know, human beings essentially want three things. They want to be valued, they want to be respected and would be appreciated. Absolutely. If you can establish a relationship with someone where they understand, where you, you, uh, demonstrate that to them, with them in, a very casual conversation. It may just be that you speak to that person the one time on the phone and you say, listen, I need some help, you know, and how do you do that? Well, you better start by acknowledging them. You better start by acknowledging what they've done well and who they are and what you've heard about them. Because, and, and, you know, there's a difference between sucking up to someone and acknowledging somebody, you know, acknowledgement is authentic. So, you know, you come from a place of genuine appreciation for somebody and what they've accomplished. Now, that's where I think a lot of lot of us tend to uh, fall down because if I acknowledge you, Cole, for your accomplishments, you know, in how how amazing a work you've done as a as a police officer and as a senior police leader, and uh, you know, since then in leadership in the leadership environments, if I don't know a little bit about you, I'm not able to do that. So it's important yeah. to know that about you. But then to be able to convey to you in a way where you get that I am connecting to you personally. So. If I say something wonderful about you, it makes me less. Well, actually, no, it makes me more. Because what that shows is that I'm generous. Yeah, I'm generous. I, um, I genuinely look up, you know, I, I really appreciate, I really acknowledge the kind, you know, it's, it's, I respect what you've done. So those types of things um, convey a lot to a human being as to whether or not they, they, they are able to trust you. And you need to practice that because if you, if, you're, if you don't come from the heart, then it sounds sycophantic and then somebody will get that. And then it's a very transactional and opportunistic. 
on the other side of that, when they are willing to support you and they, you know, never forget it. Never forget it. Because even today, one of my colleagues, you know, that, that I, that's helped me out on my journey along the way, I'm still in touch with many of them. And even if I, if I, if I just come across them online or, or, or somehow we reconnect, it's the first thing I'll mention to them. You know how important it was, and how how I really appreciated that then, and I and I still do. So I think um, connecting with somebody, building rapport, is not difficult. It means you've got to be open in your heart space. You you have to be willing to acknowledge the other person authentically, like really see who are you've got to be interested in that person. And do you know what? These are just basic human skills and ancient wisdom, really. That. Uh... We should all have been practicing for a long, long time. But in this in this very fast environment, very competitive world in which we exist, it's very easy to forget these very basic human skills and this wisdom. Uh, but if you start practicing, it will change your life. It truly will. And the relationships around you. Uh, I've enjoyed having a really good conversation with you. Um, we've come to the end of our podcast. But uh, I want to thank you so much for being a part of it and sharing this incredible experience that you've had. I hope that others will learn from the experiences that you've had and start building some really powerful relationships around them. Thank you, Smita Joshi. Thank you so much, Cole. Really enjoyed the chat. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Please do subscribe and click on notifications for new content. And of course, connect with me on LinkedIn. Take care. Have a great day.